Rick Jensen on 1150 AM, 1017 FM, WDEL. All right, award-winning sports director, Sean Green, sports director of the, he's like sportscaster of the year and, and all that here in Delaware. He's on the phone right now because I'm trying to get some understanding what the heck they're doing at the Delaware Interscholastic Athletic Association. Sean's on the phone right now. Hey, Sean, tell me something. I mean, we look at the, how they're maybe changing these uh, high school football and I guess other sport divisions in such a way. So, so if my kid is dominant, and because he's uh, he's at Howard High School or something, and and now I'm looking at this, do I have reason to be concerned that maybe his team's not going to be as dominant because of the way they restructure these things? Well, when you pose it that way, I think the answer to that's absolutely yes. The restructuring really goes back to 2014. This is a, a process going on six or seven years. And the real crux of it is because 48% of the high school football games in Delaware in the last six years have been decided by 25 or more points. In other words, not competitive at all. No, no. But if it's my team, I like that. If it's not my team, that's okay, kid. kid. Uh, You'll do better next time. Just get in there and uh, keep plugging away. Well, I think that goes with any restructuring is – the teams that are dominant at the top level are going to be completely unaffected. You, you mentioned the last break, the Smyrnas, the Middletowns. They, they're dominating the big schools, Division One. You know, you, you, know, you could almost put together an all-star team of a lot of the, the smaller schools, and they would still probably be favored. Where this is going to benefit is the teams at the bottom, the Dickinsons, the Dell Castles, the Seafords, the First State Military Academies, who – Forget about winning. They're they're struggling to score points against <laughs> yeah. several opponents and, and yeah. matchups that just don't make sense. The problem is is on the edges. If you're going to go, the DIAA is planning to go from two divisions, which very simply, large schools, small schools. About it's about a thousand and sixty students is where the cutoff is between large and small in Delaware. What they're planning to do is to go to three divisions of which it will, instead of just being strictly done by the amount of students in your school, will be done by 50% based upon your enrollment, 30% based on your winning percentage over the past three years, and 20% based on your winning percentage over the past five years. So 50% success, 50% enrollment, but therein lies certainly some challenges and some problems. Yeah, so what are they saying then that, all right, and, and we'll use Smyrna, Middletown, and Howard. I mean, who are, like, the top five most successful schools in football? Certainly in the last in the last decade or so, those three, you, you would probably add in Wilmington Friends is very close in that discussion, and certainly Salesianum is right there in terms of being consistent winners. So somewhere in that group of five, uh, certainly Del, Delmar would, would earn a seat at that table as well. How big a school is Del Mar? I never thought of it as being that big. I guess I'm wrong, huh? Del Mar, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe it has about 700 students. But that is such a a rich athletics-based community, and they've got a great youth program. Their field hockey team is as dominant as Smyrna and Middletown is on the football side. They're, they put a lot of community resources in the field hockey, and they are – Fantastic! They've got a bunch of players going to Division One, Division Two schools in that sport. But 
Yeah, I mean, you can see if a, if a community focuses on a sport like Milford, not particularly great at a lot of sports, but they have the youth wrestling program, so yeah. they're super dominant at their level in wrestling. And Smyrna, even before the football thing, put a lot of resources in the wrestling. They've been super dominant in wrestling over the years. I know. That's why I said earlier now that since they've become Middletown 2.0 with all the construction, new homes, new neighborhoods, things like that, man, they can keep some of these kids in there and be dominant in baseball and football, uh, perhaps even basketball as well. Well, there are very few sports that Smyrna is not competitive in. And, and, and that, to me, is where we're finding the battle right now is whose definition of competitive are we talking about? Because let's go back to football, and, and you mentioned Howard, and this is where the problem is. That Howard, if you take into the, the three criteria I mentioned, the enrollment, the three-year and the five-year winning percentage, they are number nine in the state right now, which when the way they're going to break this down, at least according to the plan, is 12 teams at the top level, so the top 12. So Howard, who has been playing as a small school and – has I believe it is about 870 students, maybe about 900. So they're they're a small school by about 100 students or so. They would suddenly be pressed to play Middletown and Smyrna and Caesar Rodney schools that have you know almost doubled their attendance week after week. And Howard's going, hey, hey, hey w- w- wait a minute. But part of the challenge is is why has Howard been successful? Because they have been gobbling up. Blue Hen Flight B, which are the traditional public high schools in Newcastle County that are the small schools, which are Christiana, Newark, McCain, Dickinson, that that uh, this isn't the 80s and 90s. These schools just are not competitive yeah. in almost anything athletically at the moment. So uh, so Howard High School is about uh, pushing like 68% uh, African-American kids, and, and I'm wondering... Uh, has anyone said, oh, this is racist if you're going to take away our ability to win as many games as we had? Well, and that's the thing is when I talk about the thing that this benefits the Dickinsons and the, the Seafords, then, yes, it's going to hurt some schools at the edges and the schools that are near the what will be the 3A and the 2A cut lines, which will be the, the larger schools, the middle schools, and then the, 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 the lower quality schools. But whoever is number 12 is not going to be very happy because that's going to be a program that's won a lot of games. And now all of a sudden they could be looking at an 0-6 conference record, not because they're not good, but because they're not as good as the teams that they are currently playing with. Yeah. To me, the counter to that is, would you rather play a tough opponent like Smyrna or Middletown, or would you rather play Dickinson and win 47 to nothing every week? I'd rather play Dickinson and win 47 to nothing every week. That way I can brag about it when I go off to college and not play because I'm not good enough to play in college. But at least I can brag about my high school. <laughs> That's the, if you're asking me. You know, of course, you're talking to a guy. I, I, I rode the bench. You know, if I get on the field a little bit, like, woohoo, I get to play a game this year. You know, <laughs> That's, that was just me, man. Uh, but there are people uh, who are really great athletes because they work hard at it. They work hard at it every single day. They keep their grades up in, their, in order to be able to play football. They truly put a lot of uh, work and effort into it. It's something they truly love. And if you have someone like that, and they are winning, and they are going to try to get some kind of scholarship, maybe even a redshirt chance if they go off to college, well, then if you redistrict this, and they are number 12, and they're 0-6, like you say, boom, that that uh, that dream is over, right? 
Not necessarily. One of the NFL players who I, I can't remember he's still in the league not is uh, uh, Brian Body Calhoun, who was the starting quarterback at Del Castle, who I believe won seven games in his high school career. Uh-huh. Uh, he's been an NFL player for six or seven years. So can you succeed at a school that doesn't win? Absolutely. So now, uh, so he showed he showed somebody absolutely. Somebody saw that saw that in him when he was at Del Castle. Then he went off to where? The university. He ended up, I believe, at a prep school, and then the University of Minnesota. There you go. Yeah. So someone at a prep school probably saw him and said, "How about a scholarship?" I mean, I mean, that, I mean that's the thing is he, he he found a way to shine, and I mean that that is inherently every system that you come up with is going to have pros and cons. It's, mm-hmm. If there were a perfect system, I would tell you it right now, and I would get tired of listening to the or to get done listening to DIAA meetings that go on for hours. But ultimately you to me, you've got to find a way to stop forty eight percent of games decided by twenty five points or more because that just like what are we doing? Like yeah. what's the like let's just go straight to the playoffs. I mean that that, that that's where occasionally you can find some good matchups and the hope is is that by switching to this format that you get teams playing mostly competitive games throughout the course of their entire season and teams that are struggling, you know, maybe you get a couple of kids out when they realize they're, they're not going to get destroyed 47 to nothing in every conference game. Del Castle hasn't won a conference game since 2014. So does this mean then every year, every two, every three uh, years, they would actually go and say, okay, let's take a look at these uh, three years. Like every three years, it'd say, let's take a look at the three-year record again. And uh, it, it would I, be a t- it, It's actually a two-year process because high school, ske- high school scheduling is done every two years. As they restructure the, the, the divisions every two years in Delaware when teams do a home-and-away contract in different sports, so – like they, we just got the new attendance numbers for the for the last year, and Newark High School is going to move from Division Two back to Division One as they've gone back above a, a certain threshold. So there's inherently already some restructuring, at least on the attendance side, being done now. So yes, if if Howard were were to go to Division One or Three A in this new scenario and go, let's say five and five. Based upon their attendance, they may actually drop down into two A in two years because you know now they don't have a winning percentage that's almost ninety percent. All right. So, what does this mean to like families and kids and such? For example, um, <laughs> a whole personal story. My my kid was so good at uh, at softball, and it's a scholarship sport at many universities around the country. That uh, a high school coach once uh, called me. And, Asked if he'd stop over it, and I said, sure. So we uh, stopped over each other a little bit, and basically the conversation was, your kid's really good. How would you like to move into our school district so she could play on our team? And I said, well, that'd be cool. Got a house you want to give me? And, of course, they can't do that, but I was being sarcastic and all. And I talked to my daughter, and she said, no, 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 no. I like where I am. I want to stay where I am. That doesn't matter that much to me. And so that taught me that, wow, it's really true that when you have someone who's an outstanding athlete, um, sometimes schools will send somebody over to say, um, you know, if you moved over here, moved over there. So I'm, I'm wondering now, you know, does this mean there might be less of that happening if uh, you got a kid who's uh, playing really well at Middletown, Smyrna says, hey, now I'm not saying that it has happened around here, 
wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but it, the conversations, uh, I've been told, uh, do happen. And I'm wondering, do you think then that actually might um, lessen the number of times that ever happens? Uh, the short answer to that is no. And the second answer to that is, are you saying that there's recruiting in Delaware? I thought they just attracted. <laughs> why? They attract, why? 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 No, Sean. I hold. I have no. I have no paper trails. So no, I, I could never say such a thing. And ultimately, as you say, that is a thing that does happen. And people will go, well, why doesn't the DIAA stop it? The DIAA has three full-time employees, and at the moment, they only have two, as they're still trying to hire a secretary, their their administrative assistant. So they have two people in charge of running the state tournaments, getting sponsorships because the DIAA is actually losing money with no fans in the in the stands during this during COVID time. And oh yeah, they want people to go out and do long term NCAA level investigating of of schools. Yeah, that that's not a thing that's going to happen. Yeah, no, no. But you think you you think the recruiting would still happen? Do you think this actually might? increase uh, this kind of recruiting or i mean you know look I, you you've been following this stuff think, for years it, you, I, you have a good sense of of what might happen i don't know if it stops it now could it change it yes because then t- schools will be in different situations yeah because you go from being a dominant division two team to maybe an average division three team or maybe you're in the middle of division uh, class 2a when you think you should be in 1a the smaller of the schools, so maybe it's different schools having a little more power going forward. No, I can tell you that there are two schools, or I should say, one conference. And first of all, this is only football at the moment. They're they're right. basically trying this out with football, and then they may do it with some other sports. But the other sports do a little better job of governing their schedules. Mm-hmm. But Tower Hill, Friends, Tattnall, the the independent conference in in football. Some of them are being bumped up or have been looked at as a two-way school, and and there have been some complaints that look at our roster size. We're not very good, but, oh, yeah, when we get to the state tournament, we're in the semifinals every year because, you know, we can play. We just don't want to play every week. Yeah. And that's – that's you have that. And then, you know, does this mean that some schools will consider not playing under the CIAA structure and no independent? And if you're the CIAA, do you, do you care? Do they care? I mean, I asked that. I asked that question kind of hypothetically. Do, would they care in that scenario where we're trying to create a competitive balance? If, if you enjoy playing your thirty-eight nothing games, then by all means, go play them outside of our structure. So, what do you think the reaction of the DIAA would be if you had more than a handful of teams saying, "Yeah, we're going to do this"? Well, if it's private schools, the DIAA was created as a structure care. for the public schools. So yeah. I don't think, I, I mean, to me, I don't think it's, I mean, would they be worse off without the private schools? I mean, certainly Salesianum has been a big time winner. I don't think Salesianum's unhappy with this setup because, quite frankly, they would guarantee their football team at least five in state games every year, possibly seven, depending on whatever structure they go with. But, you know, some of those smaller, you know, 400, 500 student private schools that Delaware has plenty of. I mean, you can certainly see where they could be complaining if they're yeah. suddenly asked to go against 900 student public schools, which, by the way, they would be a favorite against in many games. 
By the way, folks, if you just tuned in, it is award-winning uh, sportscaster Sean Green here from WDEL News Department on the Jensen Show. And he's talking about the subcommittee of the Delaware Association of Athletic Directors that are working on a three-class structure to replace the uh, two divisions that we've had since 1971 in football right now because, well, 46% uh, of team victories are 20 points, 25 points or more. And they're trying to figure out, well, how do we make this more equitable? Um, are there any other suggestions to do this in addition to or instead of having this criteria of 50% enrollment, 30% based on your three-year record, 20% based on your five-year record, which to me sounds like if you're really successful, we're moving you down. Yeah, one idea that they've tried is to, again, to not overly – and I'll use the word penalize because that's how some schools are looking at this. Woodbridge and Howard both see this as a negative. We've been so successful at the Division Two level that we're being penalized and have to go up to the top level. So what at least some proposals have been is that there would be a 1,000 student cap at the 3A level, meaning that if your school has under 1,000 students, you could never be bumped into Division 3A, which yeah. Howard Howard can't, you know, quite frankly, cannot fit a thousand students into that school footprint if they wanted to. And Woodbridge is also a relatively small school, so that would basically save them from ever going 3A. At the same time, putting potentially a thousand person cap at the smaller level as well, which would mean that Dell Castle and the Charter School of Wilmington, two schools that have absolutely struggled in football since, you know, for the last decade, decade and a half, couldn't go down to the lower level. So in a lot of ways, the structure wouldn't even help them because they wouldn't get to face schools that are at their athletic equal. They would still be facing mid-range schools that, you know, quite frankly, still beat their drums. Maybe not as bad as Smyrna, but they would still be a very bad loss. Yeah, I imagine if, uh, you know, your head coach or you know, Howard or Woodbridge, you are going to complain, say, what's the matter? You're going to punish us because we're too darn good at this game? What's wrong with you people? I could imagine them saying something like that. I mean, I mean and that's that's part of the problem. It's just, yeah, how do you come up with the right amount of equity of schedule so that you don't have schools that go 0-10 every year or 2-8 and or 1-9? And, and, you know, there have certainly been arguments. Kevin Trestolini of the News Journal wrote an editorial saying that we should keep the system the way that it is and and everything is cyclical. That at one point Newark was the, you know, six out of seven year state champion in football, and now they're struggling to be five hundred now. But to me, I look at the, I look at the structure of public high schools in Newcastle above the canal in Newcastle County, mm-hmm. which are just being ravaged by charter schools and private schools, and you, you struggle to keep a Glasgow or a Christiana competitive and. You know, downstate Seaford certainly doesn't have, you know, ever since DuPont left, they haven't been dominant in sports like they once were. In fact, a lot of those students are transferring to Woodbridge and go, going down to Del Mar and, yeah. and to Milford. So, so, so my maybe last this question. Would be some incentive, maybe be some incentive to keep students closer to home. My last question is, uh, when's the vote coming up? They are the, the, the director of the the DAAD that you mentioned, the Athletic Directors Association, is meeting with the heads of schools at some point this week. In fact, they may be meeting as early as today. It's possible we see a vote by this 
by a, possibly their next meeting at the end of January at the, the DIAA board level and certainly by February, because at some point they need to get the schedules done for next season, you know, at least yeah. we will see a vote. And, you know, at least then you can see kind of see who's in favor, who isn't. And then I think that goes a long way because, as you say, there are certainly some schools, your Howard's, your Woodbridge's, your Tower Hill's, your friends that aren't going to like this, but I think it does benefit more schools than it, than it punishes. WDL Sports Director Sean Green on this new restructuring of who gets to play who, which means sometimes if this goes through, Sean, it means that you'll have some fresh new names to mention as winners of a previous football game. <laughs> right. Well, if Seaford has a winning record, I think it's a good thing for everybody. All right, Sean Green, thanks for the call. Good stuff. We'll uh, we'll keep in touch and uh, we'll keep uh, informed by looking at WDEL News and the WDEL Facebook page.